It's time for another Truth Encounter with our study leader, Dave Wurtson. Dave wears many hats, conference speaker, husband, father, grandfather, and pastor. But we are thankful for his straightforward biblical teaching on Truth Encounter. We are near the completion of an extensive study of Deuteronomy. So Dave, come and give us an idea where we're going in Deuteronomy chapter 32 in today's discussion. In the Old Testament and ultimately in the destiny of history, God has a special plan for Israel. In fact, if, you, if you're committed to the Word of God over and over and over again, it tells us that God is not finished with His people Israel. And that's why they're back in the news again. That land that's between Egypt and Mesopotamia, the land of Canaan, somehow the nations have to deal with that land of Israel. It's like a tar baby. Man, you grab a hold of it, you get stuck. You grab hold of it again, you get stuck. You just can't get unstuck from the nation of Israel. You know why? Because from a worldwide historical perspective, ultimately, the story of the nations is going to have to do with what God does with that nation of Israel. And somehow, the heavenly court has numbered out the nation, somehow related to the angelic court, and then Israel is the one, you see, all the other nations, it talks about, for example, the book of Daniel, that the kingdom of Babylon has an angel that's involved with the kingdom of Babylon. And Egypt is presented as having angelic forces that are related to the kingdom of Egypt. God is saying in this verse, my allotted inheritance, the one that I watch over, the one that I take care of, is the nation of Israel. And I believe that that's still continuing. And this psalm, this song that Moses is singing to us, is related to God's dealing with these special physical people called the nation of Israel. In verse 10, he begins to tell us about how he created them and how he formed Israel. As some of you say, well, Dave, how do I know that the Bible's true? How do I know that I should believe what you say and not believe what a Hindu says? You need to look at the history of Israel. Look at how they were formed. Look at how their destiny unfolded. If ever there's a people that witness to the providence of God, the hand of God, it's the history of the nation of Israel. Look how they began. It says, In a desert land he found him, in a barren and howling waste. He shielded him and cared for him, and he guarded him as the apple of his eye. Like an eagle that stirs up its nest and hovers over its young, that spreads its wings to catch them and carries them on its pinions, the Lord alone led him. No foreign god was with him. In this paragraph, Moses pictures the children of Israel being protected and formed in the wilderness. According to the book of Deuteronomy, the nation was born out of Egypt, like a womb of Egypt. Egypt is like the mother's womb. Sinai is when they became a nation. And Sinai is in the midst of a horrible desert. I mean, it's barren, it's rugged, there's no rain there, there's no vegetation. It's just this barren, ugly wilderness that could not sustain life. And God is picturing him coming to this fledgling little infant that's unprotected, exposed to the elements, and God takes care of them. Just think of it. The children of Israel, like a nation of a couple million people, thrust out of the womb of Egypt, up around the Red Sea, down to that land, that, that little peninsula there, in this ugly, barren wilderness. What's going to happen to the people? Unless God protects them, unless God sustains them, they're going to self-destruct. That's what the history of the wilderness wanderings is. 
You see, God is the one who found this little fledgling child in the barren wilderness, and he's the one that gave them manna to eat. He gave them water to drink. What Moses is declaring is your existence depends upon God. I want you all to ask yourself, do you believe that your existence depends upon God? You know, you're just like Israel in that regard. Every one of us are totally dependent upon the protection and the love of God. You're all like baby eaglets. And this song, this song beautifully projects. It's like a mother eagle that's teaching her little eaglets to fly because in the, in the, in the crags of the rocks down on Mount Sinai, the eagles can live. And it pictures an eagle taking care of its family and it teaching little eaglets to fly and, and, and it carries the little eagles on its back. The great big eagle lets them tumble a little bit and then the big eagle comes underneath. Maybe some of you need that today. Maybe some of you feel like, you know, out there in life, you know, man, I, I just feel like I, I don't know how I'm going to make it in business. Man, I don't know how I can live upright in business. I don't know how I can compete with a competition and, and do it right and, and not do it wrong. Not use some of the illegitimate means. You're deciding in your own heart who you believe carries you. Who you believe determines your existence. We've got some of our men and women right now that have just lost their jobs. That's a real scary time. Whenever I get that news, it's like a thud in my own heart. Because your existence is threatened. How in the world are you going to be able to keep providing for your family? And the Lord is saying, your existence depends upon me. If you're obedient to me, if you love me, and you stay engaged with my family, you stay engaged with my word. He says, I'll be like an eagle to you. I'll fly underneath you. You might feel that you're going to crash on the rocks below, but you won't. If you're in love with him, if you depend upon him, he is the God of existence. Some of you are filled with worry today, and it all has to do with your existence. You're fighting. You can have little pain in your body, and, and man, you, you, you've got malignancy, and, and the terminal, it's, it's as bad as it can get. Your heart flutters a little bit. Sometimes it skips a beat, and it's not because you're in love. It's because you feel like, well, I'm going to have a heart attack. And so then you go into a panic attack, and then you can't breathe, and we've got to rush you to the hospital. Why? Because you're filled with worry and stress. You know what's wrong with you? You forgot who gives you existence. How many of you worried? How many of you remember worrying in the hospital the day you were born? How many of you remember being in the womb of your mom and, and wondering whether the doctor was competent? How many, you remember that? How many of you remember that? Some of you that are real worry words, that it started right then. <laughs> remember you wouldn't come out because you didn't think the doctor was competent? You ever stop and think of it? How many of you have your first memory when you were four years of age? How many of you can't remember any farther back than four? How many of you can't remember back to three? Three is your earliest memory. Two? How many can remember back when you were one? You see what I'm saying? The little babies that are here, I guarantee you, I have not dedicated a baby in my whole life that remembers the dedication. So you know what that means? It means you, know, you might as well stop worrying because you've been dependent upon others and ultimately you've been dependent upon God your whole life. Your existence is not caused by you. And that's what Moses wants us to realize. God is our creator. He's the one that sustains us. And the way to get free from stress, the way to get freed up from that is to believe it and to trust in it. The people don't respond though. Moses goes on. The people aren't going to listen to what Moses has to say. It says that in verse 13, he made them right on the height of the land and he fed him with the fruit of the fields. He nourished him along with honey from the rock, with oil from the flinty crag. 
And he's talking about all the good gifts that the Lord God gave them in the land of Canaan. He gave them like honey. They'd find honey up in the, in the rocky cliffs where the bees had made honeycombs. They found uh, olive oil from the olive trees that were growing out of this mountainous land. And they had curds and honey. They had good craft cheese and all the dairy products. And it talked about God's blessing upon them. They drank from the foaming blood of the grape. Israel, the land of Canaan, is a marvelous place for vineyards and just acre upon acre, kind of like San Francisco, a little bit south of Jerusalem. It says, though, in verse 15 that Jeshurim grew fat. Now, Jeshurim is like a pet name that God has for Israel. It means Yeshurim. Yeshur in Hebrew means the upright one. And so I could kind of get across the idea of it means this is, my, this is my, my delightful upright one. It's like a pet name that God had for Israel. But instead of, look what they do. My upright one, my little upright one grew fat and kicked and filled with food. He became heavy and sleek. He abandoned the God who made him and rejected the rock and his Savior. They made him jealous with their foreign gods and angered him with their detestable idols. They sacrificed to demons which are not God. Gods they had not known. Gods that recently appeared. Gods your father did not fear. And what's happening here? The rest of this song develops the tragedy of abandoning God. And when are we tempted to abandon God? The tendency in all of our lives is not to abandon God when we're helpless, when we're weak, when we're in trouble. This psalm has a great insight because I would say that this is one of the greatest dangers facing your life and mine as a believer in the United States. You see, we are a fat people. Even though we struggle, that what we think is a struggle in the United States for existence the rest of the world would laugh at. What we think are really hard times, the rest of the world thinks is good times. We have food in our stomachs for the most part. We have houses, we have roofs overhead most of the time, unless they get flooded away. You see, for the most part, the American believer is facing a time of fatness. And that's one of the greatest challenges that you have. For example, a young couple... They start going out in life. You know, maybe both of them are working before they have a family. What's the whole tendency then? The whole tendency then is not to honor the Lord, to really not have God in your life at that time, just to wander away from him and just devote yourself to your career. It's all of a tendency in my life and your life. Our tendency is when we're prospering, when we're going out there to make it happen, when we're living just for this life, we forget about God. And it's one of the greatest dangers that there is. Because who's the one that gave us the strength to have the job that we have? God did. So who should be given thanks? Who's the one that puts all the food on our table? Who's the one that gives raises and he takes them away? Who's the one that gives new opportunities? You see, every one of us have to decide who we really believe gives us good gifts. And, and it's, we all know, we all piously say, oh yes, Dave, I believe that God is my existence. But what about the guy in your office that doesn't obey God at all, that rejects him, that wanders away from him, that hates him, and seems to do really well? What do you do with him? That's when your faith is tested. But every one of you are going to have to decide, will you believe that God is the one that makes my existence? He's the one that sustains me. The tendency is when you're healthy and when you're strong and when you're loaded and when everything's going great, you forget him. In fact, I can show you very few instances in Scripture where someone was able to be prosperous, was able to have great material blessing, and they didn't forget God. 
It's not saying that the material prosperity is evil. In fact, the material prosperity is a good gift from God. But our tendency is that when we're being blessed, that we forget. That's what happened to Israel. This rest of the song developed. Israel went into the land. God enabled them to defeat almost all their enemies in the land. As they obeyed him, they were able to win completely. They burned Hatzor, the, the mightiest city in Canaan, just burned it to the ground, had a great victory. God gave them homes, God gave them vineyards, God gave them flocks and herds. God gave them incredible material prosperity. The northern kingdom was the most prosperous part of Israel. They had marvelous farmland up by Galilee. They had tremendous opportunity for, for worshiping the Lord, but what did they do? The northern kingdom, come from the day that they were, they were created, after the kingdom was divided, the northern kingdom went into disobedience. So the Lord, little by little, in this psalm, Moses' song predicts this. The Lord started bringing the Assyrians down. And I want you to learn the lesson of this song. What God will do in your life, if you are prosperous and if you begin to walk away, what the Lord will do is the Lord will begin, the Lord will begin to shake your life a little bit. He'll cause little calamities. I want you to understand that you can be living close to the Lord and you can have calamities that are not at all there because God is, is judging you. It might have to do with other factors. Not all the problems we face come because God is disciplining us because we've done something bad. But in saying that, it's important to realize if you do wander away, that God, like a loving father, will discipline you, make it hard on you to try to get you to wake up. And so if, I guarantee you at some time or another in your life, especially in the times of fatness, I'll do it, you can do it. You'll wander away and the Lord will, will discipline you a little bit. Now, what a lot of us do at that point is we tend to get angry with God. We tend to harden our neck. We tend to get really rebellious. And we walk out farther. And then God increases the discipline a little bit more. And he makes it really, really hard. And just like well, the, this whole book of Deuteronomy has been trying to get across to you that there is a way that's right. There's a way to live. And if you are swept away and you start living wrongly, there's going to be horrible consequences that flow from that. And that's what happened to the nation of Israel. In 722, the Assyrians came down and totally devastated the land. Totally devastated the people. In 586, a little bit more than 100 years afterwards, the Lord brought the Babylonians down and Israel ceased to exist as a nation for 400 years. In fact, they really didn't become an independent nation again until 1948 or 49. The history of Israel is telling you that when you become fat, when you become prosperous, it's easy to walk away. Now, is that the end of the story? You see, how would you react if you had provided all of this stuff, if you'd been kind and gracious and you'd given these people everything that they could ever want? How would you react if they, if they wandered away from you? I'll tell you what I do. I get mad. When I do everything I can to help somebody and try to sustain them and I try to, to teach them the right principles and I train them and, and do everything I can and they walk away and they reject everything I've said, my tendency is to get mad and so is God's. But you know what? God in the end, his anger is not his final word because this, this closes with this. Jeremiah 32, 43. It says, Rejoice, O nations, with his people. For he will avenge the blood of his servants. He will take vengeance on his enemies. And then it says that he will make atonement. He will make atonement for the land and the people. 
What this psalm says is that God's going to use all these different enemies, the Assyrians, the Babylonians. At the end of time, he's ultimately going to use the armies of Antichrist and a lot of different factors to discipline his people. But you know what he says? He says, ultimately, he's going to make a covering for the people. He says, ultimately, he's going to make a covering for their sin. Remember, we started out this psalm. God's intent in this song was not to destroy their, the people, but it was to bring sweet rain into their soul. And that's why Moses' song closes with a word about atonement. And that leads us right into the New Testament because Jesus Christ is coming to every one of us and he says, listen, if you're wandering away, if you're going astray like a sheep, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. The tendency of every one of your hearts is to follow your own way. If you do what you naturally do, you're going to wander away. Just the way life is. Your tendency is to stray. Like that's been one of the hardest burdens you know, in, in the pastoral ministry is people wander away. They come up with all kinds of reasons to do it, but they wander away like sheep. And that's really hard. And, so, and sometimes you see them wander away into a totally different lifestyle, totally away from the Lord Jesus, totally living in enemy territory, totally gone away from him. But you know, it's comforting to know that Moses predicted that's what the people will do. That's what this psalm is about. Moses told the people before their history even took place, you're going to wander away like sheep. But you know what he closed by saying? He says to every sheep, and he says to every one of you, he says, when you're wandering away, this great shepherd of the sheep is saying, you can come back home. Because it says, all we like sheep have gone astray, we have turned everyone to his own way. But the Lord has laid upon him, the Lord Jesus the punishment that all of us deserved. You see, Deuteronomy 32 and Isaiah 53, 6 are all the same message. Deuteronomy 32 is saying that all of us are like sheep, we're going to go astray. The children of Israel illustrate this principle. But just like Isaiah 53, 6 says, the Lord will make atonement for the people, Deuteronomy chapter 32 closes by saying, God will judge your enemies. God will discipline those that do evil things against you. And then God will cover you. Just like an eagle covers you with his wing, God will cover you with his protection and he can become your rock and your protector again. Let's pray. I want you to think about your own walk with the Lord. Moses was talking to a people that were experiencing great prosperity, but their tendency was to stray. Are you in the flock today close to the, to the great shepherd of the sheep? Are you filled with praise and worship? Are you expressing love for the Lord Jesus and for all that he's provided for you? Or is your heart kind of like the nation of Israel was in this song that Moses proclaimed to them? It's stubborn. It's self-sufficient. It's saying, I'm going to make it happen my own way instead of being dependent upon God's way. Psalm 32 could be the voice of the Lord coming to your heart saying, you need to come back home. The Lord Jesus loved to tell the story of the prodigal, the prodigal that wandered into a far country. Psalm 32 says to wandering prodigals, you can come back out of your foolishness. You can come back out of the craziness that you've gotten involved in. So I want to invite you, if you're wandering today, maybe you've just wandered a little bit this week, just talk to the Lord and come back home and humbly begin to praise the Lord again. Now, many of you haven't wandered. 
you've been living close to the Lord, and Psalm 32 can become a great passage for you to reaffirm. Say, Lord, I learned again that to wander away from you, to start to doubt your ability to provide for me, to start to doubt that your way is the best way, I've learned in Deuteronomy 32, it's foolishness, it's unwise. I want to make a commitment again that I'm going to live close to you, that I'm going to depend upon you, that I am going to live to love you and to praise you and to not be one of those sheep that wander out of the fold. Some of the young people can decide, man, the other kids in school might wander into foolishness, but I'm going to stand against that. I'm going to walk with God through, through grammar school, through junior high school, through high school, through college. I'm not going to stray. Father, I just would ask you that the solemnity, but also the joy of this psalm that Moses proclaimed to us would grip all of our hearts. Lord, there's so much more that there's so much rich food for us to digest. Every word of this song is filled with deep insight into who you are, deep insights into, into what we're really like. Father, we live in a culture that is blaming everyone else. There's no individual responsibility. And Lord, the voice of this psalm cries out to us. The song of Moses, it cries out to us and says, you are responsible if you wander away. And the Lord God of heaven and earth will hold you responsible. But he's also not only the judge of the universe, he's the great lover of the universe. And, and when we wake up, and when we come to our senses and when we face the truth, we can come back home. And I'd ask you, Lord, that the sweet forgiveness that can only come as you cover our sins through the blood of your Christ, of your Christ, would fill every one of our hearts with joy today. Lord, Deuteronomy 32 is a heavy passage. It's not um, kind of the, the, the dessert of your word. It's kind of the meat and potatoes of your word to make this message become vital to an American audience is not humanly possible. But Lord, your Holy Spirit has promised that your word would grip hearts. And I really ask you to take this bittersweet love song that Moses sang to his people. The bitterness was their rejection of you and their wandering away from you. But Lord, it ended with a sweet reunion and the sweetness of you coming back together with your people. And I would ask you, Lord, that that sweet reunion would be the song that each one of us are able to sing to you the rest of this week. In the Lord Jesus' name we pray.